mile 702.2 to mile 788.5. Gadini Meadows to Bullfrog Lake Trail slash Gearsuch Pass. After three zero days in Kennedy Meadows, my family and I were ready for some adventures in the Sierra. And what an adventure it was. It started with an 18-mile snow-free day before some snow walking on our second 20-mile day. After reaching the base of Mount Whitney fairly early on the morning of day four and a snowstorm in the forecast for the next day, we decided to go up Mount Whitney on the fourth day, May 15. I made it back to camp just in time for a big snowstorm that continued for the rest of the night before finally doing a shorter day to the base of Forrester Pass. After another night of snow and all previous tracks gone, breaking the trail up Forrester Pass was a challenge, but a fun one, leading the trail up to the highest point of the PCT. We camped just at the base of Gearsarch Pass before making it up and over that same pass today to get into Bishop for a well-deserved nearer and zero. The Sierras truly is a challenging but amazing memorable winter wonderland. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I'm your host, Drea Castro, and I am here with Tim Strooks. Tim lives in the Netherlands and has always had a passion for traveling and the outdoors. He comes from a family of travel enthusiasts who enjoys hiking, climbing, and cycling. This wanderlust that runs through his blood has been a prevalent theme throughout his life. Tim has cycled Southern Sweden, completed the coast-to-coast walk in England, hiked the King's Trail in the Arctic Circle, finished the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, the W Trek in Patagonia, just to name a few. And finally, in 2019, his long-desired dream to hike the Pacific Crest Trail was fulfilled. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to be here too. So Tim is in the Netherlands, right? So I was born in Switzerland because my mom was Swiss. My dad got a job here in the Netherlands, so we moved back to the Netherlands and I've always been living here since. How old are you? 25. You're 25. You've accomplished so much. I had nothing to complain so far in my life. So it's been going pretty well. I've done a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And I did really, and I do really enjoy that. So So how many countries have you been to? And I've been to 32 countries. 32 countries? Yes. 25 years old, 32 countries. Wow, that's amazing. Why are you passionate about travel? My parents also love traveling. I love going places. And I definitely got that also from them. I, I have the same, I feel the same way. When I was younger, it was for me also just kind of taking off countries, going to countries and then just saying for myself, I've been there and I've seen it. And I think now it is, it's more about cultural things and getting to know the culture a bit and getting to feel the culture and know the people who live there and what circumstances they live there. So because I like to go back sometimes to countries I've already been, um, just to get like another feel of it or to go to another part of that country or something to see how the culture is there, if it's different or not. Just kind of discovering the country in a more wide perspective of culture and food and what do they like and how how other people, like what type of people live here. I mean, one of the reasons why I like to travel is because you get to experience this brand new culture, all the food, the the way that people live, how different and how similar we are. And I love 
going to a country or a place like twice or more than once because the first time you're doing recon like you're like okay you're doing yeah, like exactly. usually the touristy stuff uh maybe you have like a trek or something or a trail that you're trying to do but then you don't really get to experience like the low like more of like a local experience because you're focused on that so it's nice to do it a second or third time because you really get yeah. to enjoy it in a brand new way being in europe every country has its own distinctive culture but still there's one kind of european covering bigger culture um, that is for example pretty distinctive to the american culture but also there again you see similarities if okay i mean in the end everyone is a human being and we are all people so in the end we're kind of all the same but still there are differences and that's also quite cool to just find out okay what are those differences and how are we the same, but also at the same time, how are we different from each other? Yeah, definitely. So basically I found Tim on Instagram. I was looking for outdoor people and I was looking for people that had done the PCT specifically. I love seeing portions of the PCT. I think it's one of the most amazing hikes that you could do in the States. And I found him and I found his story so interesting. So I know that you like to travel roughing it basically you like to rough it yeah. out in the wilderness <laughs> but is that your primary way of traveling that you like to do do you like to do like car camping or backpacking like what kind of travel do you like to do do you like to stay in fancy hotels or do you like to do all of it i mean i definitely like all of them in some way but if we just have to pick one i would definitely say yeah, just roughing it and i don't know i also don't like planning too much so definitely kind of spontaneous so I would say if I had to choose one cell, it would be that area like backpacking, hiking, kind of an active holiday. I don't know whether that's bikes on a bicycle or um, on a hiking trail, but just, I don't know, also challenging myself in my holiday and during my travels, kind of pushing my limits on different levels. See, that's why we would get along. <laughs> yeah. That is... That is definitely how I like to travel. And people are like, you are nuts. <laughs> but I love it. A lot of people think they're nuts too. Yeah, exactly. They're, they always go, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go off-roading? Why would you want to go backpacking? And I think it's the only way you're going to get solitude. You work for it, right? It's different. For me, it's like very, very rewarding. You just get to know the country and the cultures because I feel like I know the country better or more authentic than if you just go whatever, what every tourist does and you just, I don't know, or go to a resort and a beach somewhere. I don't really feel how the culture is in that country necessarily. Whereas I think if you really go into the backcountry or whatever, just backpacking and not planning too much, you kind of get more grasp of how that culture is and how the people are that live there. So there's something about moving with the land. There's something about being in the backcountry and getting to see the mountains and you're literally moving with this mountain the way that it's carved. Something about it that's like spiritual to me, something about it that makes me feel very connected. And I think in the end, obviously all styles have their own advantages and disadvantages. I mean, the car, you can go further and you can, in that sense, maybe see more, but on the other hand, you see less because you travel, you kind of skip things part in between that you would notice more if you cycle or if you hike through it. Because yeah. it just is on a slower pace. And don't get me wrong. Like, I love fancy hotels from time to time. From time to time. Very rarely. Yeah. I love going on long road trips. Because, again, you cover more. You get to see more. Especially off-roading. I love off going into, like, the backcountry where you have to, like, 
you know, go on a crazy rough road that you might get stuck in. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, there's something about uh, your feet walking one foot in front of the other or cycling because there's a, just a different feeling to it. That's really special. Why did you start traveling? Basically, so my parents both backpack. Um, we've always also backpacked with so I have three brothers, so we've got a big family. And we've done quite some backpacking trips with the whole family, uh, definitely when we were younger. So you've gone on quite a few trails. What is your favorite trail? The favorite one, spoiler alert, is definitely the PCT. Um, you mentioned it's like one of the, the greatest of the US. I think it's one of the greatest of the world. I mean, I really like it and it's so diverse, but I think we'll dive into that later on also. Um, but for me, the PCT is on top. And I also, they really like the King's Trail in Sweden. That's probably second on my list um, because it's quite, there's quite some cool things there as well. It goes like in the Arctic Circle, so actually moving in there. And then we went in June, so we kind of have the midnight sun, which means that the sun never goes beneath the horizon. So wow. like 24 hour per day, you just have light. So I don't know, you wake up at 2, 3 a.m. And you just, I don't know, if you want to go for a pee or whatever, and you get out of the tent, you can just, just see the sun shining in the sky, which is pretty uh, weird. Like your mind, it messes up your mind a bit. But I really like that one as well. And it's a really cool trail. And I think what also makes it cool is that you have several lakes in between. Um, so you're not, yeah, so you're basically hiking. And then if you encounter a lake, um, there is like Swedish people that live around the lake that offer you to um get you on a motorboat and like bring to the other side of the lake. So it's quite common. Basically, no one who walks around the lake, everyone just takes a boat and crosses it. And that also, again, gives you kind of a feel of, I know you can chat with the people there and the people wow. that live there and, and see what they have to say because it's a quite wild area. I would say we don't really have wilderness in Europe, but that definitely felt like, okay, it's quite wild. And you're really, um, if you live here, you're really away from society a bit and civilization a bit. So you really have to kind of, it's a different approach than anywhere else in Europe, I would say. So I really did enjoy that one as well. Wow. I've actually never heard of the King's Trail. I really, uh, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I want to pick other people's brains who are more experienced than I yeah. am. <laughs> so I'm totally going to look that up. That sounds so incredible. Just the fact that people, you know, take you across the the lake. That's kind of cool. You know, you yeah. get to like, talk it to them cool. and... And that's a, another really, really special experience. That's, that's awesome. It's kind yeah. of like on the PCT, they have the trail angels. Did you encounter yes. some of them? Uh, um, many. And many. It's one of the best. I don't know. I, I cannot imagine it happening. I mean, I've never seen it in Europe. I've done quite some trails in Europe. It just, in that sense, a totally different culture. And it's like, it's so great to see that people are doing that from their goodness of their hearts, out of kindness and just offering the hikers uh, whatever they need, basically. So it's amazing. Can you explain what a trail angel is? I know what a trail angel is, but can you explain to us what they are to our listeners? Of course. A trail angel is basically a person that kind of volunteers, if you will, um, to offer hikers a better experience on the PCT or on any trail in, in the US mostly. And what they often do is like bring food. I mean, one of the best things you can encounter when you've been out in the wild for four days is you come across a barbecue or something and they're putting a burger on it. 
with some bacon and you get like a freshly grilled bar burger, which is just awesome. But also for me, I really liked fruit because I was definitely craving fruit um, and missing fresh fruit in the, in the wild. So often they also had like fruit, I don't know, strawberries or oranges. Those are always great. And you could just like get some fresh vitamins and fresh fruit, fresh fruit in you. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, trailings are kind of different forms. Uh, for me, trailings is also the people that offer you a ride to town. If you get out of the bush and you want to get into town to resupply and uh, get new food, um, often you have to eat or walk, for example, 10, 20 miles into a town because it's still not right next to the trail. Or what most people do is get a hitch um, and like get a ride down into town. And for me, that's also the people that give you the ride are just amazing. And I know there's always stuff to talk about and they're mostly also intrigued by what you're doing because still again most people think you're pretty crazy for doing something like this so you always kind of have food for thought and food for for talking about it um so yeah that's really nice um my friend i have a very one of our best friends my, his name is mitchell and he mitchell and rachel they went off and went along because we're pretty close to the PCT. So he went and drove and he's like, I'm doing Trail Angel today. And he was making all this food uh, for for yeah. the hikers. And it, he said it was just it was very interesting to meet some of you guys on the trail because you had been hiking. I mean, we're we're in Los Angeles. So imagine all that desert hiking and then, you know, yeah, yeah, barely exactly. reaching the Sierras yet. And you could already see like the difficulty of the heat of Mexico and up. Yeah, the desert bar is pretty rough. Is it? Is it really? I was pretty lucky in the year that I went because there was quite a wet year. So we had actually quite a lot of green in the desert and not oh. too hot. But we definitely already had some hot days. And I can only imagine because I was also pretty early. I can only imagine if you walked there in like May or something, how what a suffer festus must be but yeah it's that is rough i think it'd be pretty rough obviously you mentioned that the pct is your favorite trail can you explain to our listeners what the pct is the pct is um, a long distance hiking trail it goes through the whole of the us it starts on the mexican border um in the south so it's officially in the us quite close to san diego and you kind of can touch the wall that it, that is standing there and then you walk all the way up through California, Oregon, and Washington, and then until you reach the end on the Canadian border. Um, and then if you completed it, it's about 2,650 miles, but it always changes a little bit per year how much it exactly is. Why? Um, mostly, so kind of the route is clear, but sometimes there's some detours, uh, mostly because of forest fires. I mean, this year, for example, has been huge. Most people didn't hike it anyway because of COVID. But yeah, I mean, even if people would have hiked it, you probably would have skipped, been obligated to kind of skip parts because of the forest fires or at least get a huge detour around it because the PCT has also been affected by some forest fires. And for example, also in my year, there was a detour because of a um, protected animal that was on the trail. Like I think some frog, protected frog. So we kind of had to walk around it for a bit also and then catch up later on the PCT again. And that oh, wow. added some extra miles. So it changes always a little bit. I mean, official route is clear and has like a certain distance, but then I think they kind of use the detours and stuff as the, as the official distance. Officially, it's around 2,650? 
Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. That is crazy. And there's quite um a few mountain ranges there it's the sierras right so you're going into the highest um some of the highest mountain ranges in the lower 48 uh i know that you did the mount whitney part which is 14,500 did you actually do mount whitney yes um that was one of i would say one of the highlights of the trip for me um so yeah maybe i don't know if everyone knows but mount whitney is the highest point in the lower 48 yes the highest mountain in the lower 48 so for me that was kind of a thing that i wanted to do um officially it's not on the pct so the pct kind of passes by mount whitney like by the foot of mount whitney it's not too far for detour i don't know a couple of miles single way and then obviously also get back um but kind of the whole group that we went with wanted to go up to mount whitney but the thing was that it was quite a shitty day that we hit Mount Whitney. Um, we had been having quite good weather, but then the forecast said that there would be snowstorm coming in and also the clouds didn't look too promising. Um, so we were doubting a little bit whether we wanted to do it or not. And in the end, we decided to just set up our tent already and at the foot and kind of slack back up. So get a lighter pack, don't carry everything up there and just kind of do like an up and down and get back to the tent later on. But yeah, also already the beginning part, the first couple of miles took more time than we anticipated. So it kind of got quite late and challenging and the storm got closer. So in the end, basically the whole group turned around, around two miles from the end, from the top. I was too stubborn again, once again, <laughs> to just turn around. So I kind of pushed on. I hiked pretty fast to the top. I basically like half ran up to the top because I was also a bit afraid of the snowstorm was coming in. Um, I think I stood on the top maybe for like five, ten minutes, super short. Ate like a wrap tuna. And then I was also freezing cold that day because yeah, the wind was hitting and the snowstorm started. And I just when I turned around to get down again, uh, the snowstorm kind of started. Um, luckily, it wasn't too strong yet. So I kind of just walked down. Also, again, basically ran down a hill or ran down a mountain. And then once I hit the tent, I just kind of dove into it and the snowstorm really hit. And I think it didn't stop until the next morning, maybe 10, 11 a.m. And I think it had snowed like a foot or something. Wow. Yeah, Oh, my crazy. God. That is crazy. Mountain weather is insane. I can't even imagine going there during a snowstorm. The day before I had arrived there, people were climbing up and there was a snowstorm. And people didn't make it to the top. And there was like patches of ice. Um, there was a lot of wind. And people were coming down saying, don't go up, don't go up. And I'm like, no, I'm still going to go up. I'm stubborn. <laughs> yeah. So so we camped at the bottom of the 99 switchbacks at trail camp. And then the following day, it was 75 degrees. It was hot. That is, <laughs> yeah, that is super hot. I always, I always have to like calculate a little bit with the 75 degrees again. But oh. I think like... 75 is hot. Like I can wear a tank top. Yeah, like yeah. Very hot. I think it's about... Like 22, 23 degrees Celsius. So that's pretty warm, especially in the mountains. Yeah, it was warm. And the day no. before, I was sleeping on top of snow. And so the next day we woke up and we're all just like, it's hot. That's so confusing. Yeah. And people didn't summit the night, the day before because of the weather. And then now it was like super hot. But that's mountain weather for you. Yeah, but so we have uh, the Alps here in Europe. And I've been to the Alps a couple of times. 
But what for me made Wild Whitney super special is that you kind of look down into a desert and you can look down like super far. Because if you are standing in the Alps, you just have mountains everywhere around you. So you maybe look into a valley somewhere, but it's still like, I don't know, 15, 1600 meters. Or, well, let's say, what's that? 5,000 feet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then in Mount Whitney, you kind of just look, I don't know, 10,000 feet down or something into the desert and you just see only flat around you. It's like, what the hell? Where, where did all the mountains go? You can see a portion of Death Valley. And Death Valley yeah. has the lowest point in North America, which is negative 282 feet. I'm not sure if you could see that particular spot, but it's like you're pretty much looking into a very, very low, like I'm talking like close to zero um, yeah. elevation down Looks there. Super cool. And I've, I've actually heard that one sounds pretty interesting too. You have like a hiking trail, lowest to highest. So it starts at that lowest point in Death Valley and you end on Mount Whitney. So you just, yeah, that's pretty awesome. PCT hikers usually hike like what on average per day? Because you have to. Before. Yeah. So indeed, you have kind of a, a window you have to finish. So you can't you can start too early in Mexico because then you will hit the Sierra too early, which we basically also did. Um, and you have to chance that you can get through there. And then also on the other side, you can't hit Washington too late because then already winter weather can hit you. And it's also quite dangerous. So you kind of have only, they say, about five, six months to f fully complete it. So, yeah, let's say if you have five months, it's almost 50 days. So I don't know what you have to hike on average, maybe 20 miles or so, maybe a little bit less. In the beginning, I hiked maybe around 20 days. And then in Sierra, it went down also because obviously we had a lot of snow walking. So that also um, impacted our daily mileage. But then later on in NorCal and Oregon and Washington, I kind of pushed quite hard and had some like my biggest mile was on my biggest day was 40 miles. 40 but I've only done that once. Miles? I've only done that once. <laughs> yeah. Were you like flying? Like, what were you doing? <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, it's far for sure. But also, you have a lot of time. So I don't know. I was maybe hiking could be like 13 hours in a day. So in 13 hours, you can. But yeah, it's it's far for sure. I, I probably never will hike miles? that far anymore. I've never hiked that far before, before doing the PCT. But yeah, <laughs> no. That is insane. I can't even hike like six in a day. I'm so slow. <laughs> I have so many injuries. No, but it's just. I mean, it's just training also, and people. I mean, basically, the whole three, four months beforehand are also just training. You hike for every day, and you kind of have like super legs. So, I mean, I also couldn't have done like 30 miles or 20. Yeah, I could maybe have done 20 miles with the start, but definitely not more. And you kind of just get like into it. And then you, I don't know, you, you really kind of, you feel like Superman at the end. You're just doing like, what the fuck? I was also blown away by hiking 40 miles because you see sometimes in YouTube videos and like, who the fuck hikes 40 miles? On average, though, <laughs> a PCT hiker will hike anywhere from 20 to 25 or 20 to 30. I would say yeah, somewhere between 20 and 30 for sure. 20 and 30. Damn, that is crazy. But yeah, you guys have like the like superhero calves by the end. <laughs> by the end, yeah. So we read an excerpt right the, at the very beginning. Can you explain what that was? Because that was part of the PCT. That was part of the PCT. And that was actually the part where also Mount Whitney was involved. Um, so it is the first part of the Sierra Nevada. Um, so they say you have kind of five sections. You divide mostly divide PC in five sections. You have the first 
700 miles to the desert and then you have like i don't know 500 miles or something to the sierra then another 500 in north california and like 450 in oregon and 500 in washington something like that wow. and so that excerpt that i read was the first 700 done and we had just had like three zero days which means you don't hike at all the zero days just like a resting day basically um in kennedy meadows which is a super small village where literally there's nothing there which is kind of a holy grail for the pct hikers because that's where the desert ends and the sierra starts so we had three zero days there and then we decided to just try it go into it and see whatever would happen and then yeah that's the section that i just wrote in the beginning of this podcast and i think what made it also kind of special is that a lot of people fear mongering in the beginning so in the desert part in the desert section already um even in the facebook group already in like the winter and february march when they saw like there was because there was a lot of late snow in the year like february march it was still april i mean we were there in may and it was still snowstorm um so there was a lot of late snow in the sierras which kind of made it also one of the record high snow years from the last couple of years i don't know i think 2017 had been higher but before that there was that was definitely a super high snow year that made it also quite challenging and that was also why people were fear-mongering because they said they can't go in that early you just have to skip it and then come back later whatever and i think our whole group was quite stubborn and just also again just kind of winging it and just seeing okay well we try and if it doesn't work it doesn't work we just turn around or we get off at the first junction and we we figure out from there what we're going to do but you just say well we're not not going to try and then i don't know maybe we've got it later or um looking for a solution and we just try and then see what happens so it was quite cool that actually some people around me that also wanted to go into it so i think we started with quite a big group actually like seven or eight people we finished at the end maybe four or five so some people kind of dropped out in the sierra um it's just i mean totally fine i think maybe even the smartest thing to do <laughs> we were just like going on continuously just nah we just finish it yeah. um no but it was fun for sure what uh why did so what happens what are some of the things that happen why do people drop off very different reasons so people from around me that are high drift that dropped out for one just kind of was done with it and for him it was anyway a whole new thing because it literally never camped before he had never slept in the tent before it never hiked before oh so he God. literally just because he was uh, this is so funny story how he ended up on a pct because he was like drunk he came home drunk in one evening he kind of watched a youtube video of the pct and said i'm gonna do that so he bought like a tent <laughs> like everything next morning he got that all like at home i was like i guess i'm have to do it now so he just started and he was super funny he was from liverpool in england oh, and, uh, oh my super God. cool so he kind of just also said after certain I don't know it was in the Sierra also and obviously it had a big impact on everyone and he's like yeah I'm I've done my thing I've been further than ever had been before um I'm just fine and okay with it and I you know kind of just stopped so that was super cool and he just like went home um, wow. um I think people also drop off because they just miss home um miss family and then also obviously a very logical one is injuries um people just get injured and sometimes they go off trail for a while and come back later and sometimes they just decide i don't know you maybe get used kind of used to the life again back home or something you just decide well 
I've done my thing and I maybe section hike it, I'll do it again in another year. But for now it's fine and they just stay home. I think those are the three main reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty normal. It's such a long hike. It's so long. It's such a major feat in order to complete the entire thing or complete the majority of it. It's really, really hard. And the Sierras, is that the toughest part you think? Yes. I mean, definitely physically. I would say mentally, maybe the desert is also quite hard sometimes because it just kind of, you see where you will be like three hours later because it's just so flat and just hiking through the heat. Um, you kind of have to calculate water and sometimes actually bring quite a lot of water because there's so much miles between water um, points. So you have to carry quite a lot of water. Um, so I would say maybe mentally that's quite hard, but I would say physically this year is definitely up there as the hardest part of the, the BCP. Wow. What inspired you to do this trail? Everyone asks you that if you're on a trail. I think I've just always loved pushing myself pushing myself and loved hiking. And this was kind of a massive piece that I would do. It's like, okay, if I finish this, you know, it's kind of one of the longest trails in the world. And it's, you, you're out there for five months. You have to really be self-sufficient and get your own thing. And I don't know, you're really pushing your boundaries in all kinds of ways. And I think that's what drives me most because that's also why, for example, I love endurance sports more than... Um, than like power fitness or whatever, just because you can kind of, for me, it pushes my limits further and you kind of have to go through, I don't know, you, you get slapped with the hammer in your face like five times and then you die five times and you still have to keep going kind of in that way. So I think that has always kind of driven me and I, I was probably looking for that also in sports and in general in my hobbies and in my travels. And then this is just one of the things that popped up and well, I'll come to do this now. <laughs> the BCT and the AT both are also famous, especially AT is pretty famous around the world and definitely also in Europe. Um, so I don't know, I, was, I think I was just kind of looking around surfing on the internet and looking for trails and stuff. And I kind of somehow I popped up first on the AT and I was like, hey, that's interesting. No? And then I looked at the one, I was like, holy shit, who, who walks that far? <laughs> and then, I don't know, I looked a bit further and I popped on the PCT. So kind of, I think a seat was planted um, because I also kind of, not really forgot about it, but I didn't do much about it, didn't really think about it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to walk 2,600 miles. And I'd rather do something else with my time, I guess. Um, but then, I don't know, it kind of kept in the system and it popped up sometimes. And I was like, hmm, I found it more and more interesting and i kind of had made up my mind and then also wild came out i mean that's a pretty famous movie about the pct it's not that that movie made me decide to do the pct but it definitely also i think helped me to give me like the last push to really do it and just go for it how the heck did you prepare for this five to six month journey across the U.S. from Mexico to Canada. I mean, I think on the one hand, it's maybe more than you would expect for going into the wilderness for five months. On the other hand, it's maybe less than you would expect for going on a trip for five months. Um, So there were like three major things I think that I really had to prepare for. Like one is the permit, Um, the PCTA, so the organization behind the PCT that kind of preserves the PCT also 
um, gives out permits for long distance hikers to hike the trail. Um, it's kind of a discussion going on. I mean, officially, it's not mandatory to get that permit to hike the PCT, but it is highly kind of supported or stimulated or facilitated or whatever you want to call it to get one um, because it preserves the trail. Because you can kind of, they kind of try to spread out the herd of hikers because also it has been growing so much in popularity the last couple of years. There's so many people that hike it or that hike a part of it that you kind of have to be careful that it that doesn't get overrun. So that's also why they put in that permit system. So I first got that one, that was in October, the first round. Um, so I applied for a date on March 31st. My start date March 31st in Campo, which is the Mexican border. Um, so once I got that one, I was super happy, obviously, and I was like, yes, that's the first step. And I kind of, I mean, for me, it felt already kind of as an official thing. Exactly, now I'm committed and now I have to go. I had to get also a visa. And that was also quite some work because we have like a visa system that's quite easy. You can just like apply digitally and you, in like, I don't know, 90% of the cases, you just get it without any questions and you can come to the US for 90 days. Mm-hmm. But since it's only for 90 days, I couldn't apply for that one because it would take me more time to hike the PCT than those 90 days. So I had to get like the special B2 visa, which is quite a lot more work. I have to fill in like a huge form with a lot of pages. I have to get to like the US consulate in Amsterdam to get an interview with someone. Wow. So I got interviewed. Um, actually, that was definitely the biggest bomb I had through in my whole project because I got rejected the first time. Really? Yes. So they kind of explained that they thought I would, I maybe would overstay my visa and stay illegally in the US. Um, so they were kind of, I don't know, I think they were afraid that I would stay illegally in the US. Uh, so that's why they didn't get it. And I kind of saw my whole dream just splatter and I'm like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I don't know. I didn't prepare for this. What am I going to do if this doesn't work? Um, so I felt pretty bad for also quite a while. And then in the end, I just decided well, I'm going to try another time. Because I had applied for it in November, I think, the first time. Mm-hmm. And I would leave in March and still have some time. The thing is, your situation has to be different the second time. Because otherwise, they're going to just reject you again. Because they say, well, your situation has changed. Why would you not overstay this time? Um, I had been having on my mind for a while that I would want to do a master's degree. Oh. And I was like, okay, that's the ideal thing to do once I get back from the PCT then. So I registered for a master's degree gave me kind of the support that I needed to prove that I would come back to the Netherlands once, I've done, once I would be done with the trail. Right. So in February then, I got the visa. So I was like, oh shit, now I have like a month and a half before I go. I mean, I've been planning a little bit, hoping that I would get it, but still like I didn't have any flight ticket booked and stuff. So I was like, okay, flight ticket, Jeez. okay, it is, okay, it is. So like one and a half months left. I was like basically preparing everything for sure that I knew that was going. I mean, I already had a lot of stuff and I already bought some stuff. That's the third thing is gear, kind of finding out what you like, which shoes are working for you, which backpack works for you, which sleeping bag works for you, uh, stuff like that. So kind of organizing that and buying the stuff that you want or maybe using the stuff you should have at home, but figuring out some new ways to to use it. Um, so I would say those three points for the most, the, the, the three main points for preparation. Did you deliver any packages to yourself in those like special places to re-up or like how did that work? Because I know that I've never done the PCT. The only PCT reference I have is from friends 
here and there and also wild like you know how she like pack like sent herself yeah. stuff yeah i think i think a lot of the movies not even filmed on the pct but um yeah it gives you a main idea of things how things go um and one of them is indeed the packages i did send some myself as well and mostly you do that or i did it mostly for places where you kind of want to get a new supply so a new supply of food but there is not much they, for example they only have a super small grocery store or they basically only have i don't know they um don't even have a grocery store and you kind of have to resupply half in a in a bar or hotel or something so kind of send for example a box that you already prepared beforehand with food to that place so you can just pick it up in a post office and all your food is ready so you can put that directly in backpack i don't have to buy everything in the or get like not the food that you want in the stores. I remember watching that movie and I'm like, wow, you can send packages to yourself. That's really smart, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also never thought of it really. And then in Europe, you also don't really do it. And you, I mean, you don't even need it because you literally head to town every day. We are so like packed that you don't really, like I said before, you don't really have wilderness. So if you go out hiking, you have some nature and some cool nature, but you're always close to civilization. So. I mean, you, you normally don't have a huge backpack or super heavy backpack because you just can resupply you whenever you want. And then, exactly. And then now in the, in the PST, it's really, oh yeah, you have to rethink some things. And sometimes you really out. I mean, the longest I think was that we've been in between towns was maybe like eight or nine days in the Sierra. That's a so long you have to time. For that whole amount, you have to bring food. And especially in the Sierra and also we had extra winter clothes and stuff so our backpack was super extremely heavy um, and then later on yeah you also have some shorter trips but still in Washington for example as well it's sometimes like 150 miles in between resupply points so you have to bring for that whole 150 miles you have to bring everything with you that wow. you need and um, you and you plan for that prior you literally sat there and said okay from this day to this day you know what I mean like were you like when I reach this place, I need to make sure that I supply here. Like you had planned for that in advance. Yeah. So you try to plan for it. And then I think I had not really made a whole plan and kind of printed out, put it in my backpack of, okay, this date I'm going to be here and I'm going to resupply so, so much. Um, but yeah, you among other people and among other hikers, and you kind of talk about stuff like that as well and just say, okay, where are you going to resupply next or what is your plan? And um, Stuff like that helps. And obviously, if you want to actually send packages, you have to plan a bit more and you really say, okay, so I have this section coming up. Um, there's like three towns. Two towns I can just go to the supermarket. There's one town is less access accessible or there's less good, uh, as a less good store or something. So I have to send a package there. And I have to think, okay. So you have to think, obviously, also, okay, if I send a package there, how many days? For how many days you need food to the next stop again and then you have to buy that in the supermarket there put it in a package send it for four days or something and then calculate that out so it takes a little bit more work but i would say mostly also just do it while hiking is like i mean you make such long days and like your thoughts of honor of like oh let's do something useful let's figure out what i'm going to do with resupply <laughs> so just like think about that as well that's very interesting because when I think of the PCT, I always think of how the heck am I going to feed myself? Like where? So that's really interesting that you kind of, I guess, yeah, you do have a lot of time to think about things as you're hiking. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to plan in your head what's going to happen, right? You have hours, yeah. months, you know? I mean, nowadays it's also pretty easy with like your phone 
Um, you, have, right. you just have an app for the PCT that works offline and it says, okay, in this town, you have oh. uh, three supermarkets. And then but the good thing about that app is that hikers can also react um, on something. So they can, for example, react on the supermarket and say, okay, this is a well-stocked supermarket. Prices are okay. So you know, okay, I don't have to resupply there and I don't have to send a box or I resupply it, but I don't have to send a box there. Right. And other times they say, okay, send a box here because they don't really have anything. And that also really helps in, in planning and, and getting the things figured out. What is the app called? It's called Gothooks. So G-U-T-H-O-O-T-K. Okay. Uh, and it's like a trail name of someone um, who hiked the beast as well and he decided to make apps. That's very smart. Um, because I imagine people that have hiked the PCT before didn't have apps and they just they exactly plan everything. Um, so with all of that, that's to me that's so amazing. Just that whole journey is so much more detailed. Like you say to somebody, yeah, I hike the PCT, but nobody really understands what goes into it unless you've you've done it. Um, did you have any fears at all going into it? I think everyone has fears. But I also think I was pretty open and just said, well, okay, I'm just going to do my best and try it and just see whatever crosses my path. It's also just in that sense, Jordan, and I'm definitely quite goal-minded, so I really want to reach my goal and just say, okay, I want to reach Canada in this case. So I would be disappointed if I don't reach it. But on the other hand, it's also just a journey as a whole. And like, I'm out for five months. I'm doing the thing that I like for every day. So I have to just enjoy the thing that I'm doing. Because who, how many people get the opportunity or take the opportunity to do this? So just try to enjoy it. Um, what I'm doing. I think the biggest fear that I had was most in the beginning to get an injury that would take me off trail like immediately within the first week or something, in the first two weeks. Because I knew, okay, an injury can happen it's maybe even likely to happen at some point that something happens, but please do not happen in like the first month or something in the first couple of weeks right. because that put me off trail and I go, okay, I did this whole preparation for two, three weeks. I mean, if you have to stop after four or five months, it's a different story because you kind of still have had that whole experience of being out there for a couple of months and, and hiking it. So I think that kind of, was may I was maybe a bit afraid of okay, don't be over too soon. I put so much effort into this and I kind of quit my job and did things and like okay, then I'm done in two be three weeks and I have to get find something again. It's like that was not the plan really. And in the end I have to say, um I also didn't complete it. But I was short for like hundred and fifty miles or something. So for me it feels like okay, I've seen everything and then my knee kind of blew out in the last 300 miles or so, I hiked maybe not 150 with it, which was not a good idea. And then I just had to stop and I walked on crutches for like two or three weeks or so. I can't believe that it's like you, that injury came at the very end, thank goodness. Yeah. Because I'm already injured. <laughs> like I have to like go much slower than everybody else um, because of like past injuries. But yeah, I kudos to you. You basically did, you were shy of 150 miles, but you did like the yeah. most. Difficult I mean, at the pace that I was going at that time, I would have finished it, I think, in like five days, which kind of sucks because it's like, oh, I'm less than a week out. I'm like 150 miles. Only, I was only one resupply stop left in between. Oh I was like, yeah, I'm super close. But then in the end, I really tried to push it and I probably pushed it also too hard, which was bad for my injury. And then I just kind of had to say, okay, I'm stopping now and 
I might, I probably, I still want to come back once and kind of walk the last summer fifty, just to say, okay, I've completed it now. You have to. Um, I will. Um, but yeah, now for now, it's. I mean, I had definitely some difficulties dealing with it. I think in the very beginning, because like I said, I would be disappointed if I didn't reach my goal, which I didn't, because I didn't reach Canada. But then in the end, it kind of also kind of came back and it all sunk in. I was like, okay, I had my journey, I had my thing. For me, it feels like I completed it. I knew I would have completed. I was strong enough mentally and stamina-wise to complete it. Only my knee blew out at a very bad moment. But yeah, I'm proud of the journey that I made. And I'm glad that I did it. And I think that's all that matters. I, I just, um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I'm proud that you did that. That's pretty incredible. Um, I know you didn't make it that last 150, but I mean... You did the Sierras, okay? Like I know what that looks like, and you did Mount I did Whitney. 2005. Yeah, so you went on a you went on a detour to Mount Whitney. Those are your extra miles. <laughs> like there you go. True. Can you tell me some of the challenges or the dangers you faced on the PCT? Like, have did you run into any animals? Did you face any other kind of challenges? Yeah. Um, so I ran into some animals that didn't really felt dangerous except for one was already on a second day so there's quite some rattlesnakes in the desert yeah there's quite some rattlesnakes in the desert and mostly it's like okay never mind they're just doing their own thing but then on the second day we were walking just after lunch on like a trail i think with the three of us and uh, we're just like talking and chatting or really paying attention too much around us so i'm walking past like little bush and something rattles like super loud in my left ear. So I look down and like, I, it's like directly next to the trailers, um, a rattlesnake all curled up and bait, almost ready to attack or to bite. So it's like stepped on and then the other two were walking behind me, they went with like a big detour around it. Like, let's leave that guy alone and we just walk by. So that was a bit scary in the end. I mean, nothing happens and everything went so fast that, I mean, if you wanted to attack, I was too late anyway. So what I would have done about it, <laughs> but yeah, so that was a bit scary. And then I did see some cool animals. I saw like two black bears and I once, that was another scary moment, by the way, because I saw two cups in the, in the trees. So it's like, oh shit. And I saw the mom was also down, um, waiting at the trees, but then the cops just climbed down the tree and ran away from me. So the mother ran behind them. So I was there pretty lucky, I guess. Was that in the um, Sierras? Yeah, so a couple of black bears just past the Sierra in North Carolina. And I also saw a mountain lion. I think just the last part of a mountain lion. So I didn't really see the face, but I kind of came around a corner um, on the trail and I just saw like two um, real legs and a tail, which looked to me like a mountain lion. Um, So I was also looking constantly around for the last five miles into town if the mountain lion was following me. Animals are pretty cool in the PCT. I saw a couple of them. And I think the biggest challenge as a whole maybe was just the Sierra section because it was so... There was quite some different challenges and then dangers. Another danger that there was was the river crossing or different river crossings. Oh. Like, especially towards the end because the snow started to melt. So your river just get like higher and flowing faster and get quite dangerous actually so in the beginning we often had snow bridges that we could just kind of cross and we didn't really have to go through the water but then towards the end um the rivers started like 
flowing faster and going higher. I never felt unsafe, but yeah, sometimes we really had to be careful a bit with and think about how we were going to approach the river crossing to make it as safe as possible. So I would say that was also a thing that was a bit tricky or dangerous maybe. Wow. And then I would say the whole Sierra section was challenging because yeah, we were so early in a high snowy air. I think there were only like two or three people before us. So we were one of the first that were going through. But then even those tracks that were in front of us kind of all snowed under us. Yeah, you they kind of were not visible anymore. So we also had to break trail and navigate and see, okay, where are we going? Is this still the right direction? Is it still going right? Are we following the trail a bit? Um, so yeah, that's also definitely a challenging part. And it was good that you had people with you. Did you plan on going with a bunch of people? I was not planning necessarily going with the amount that we went with in the end, but I also would never have gone in on my own because, yeah, it's just too unsafe in the end. I uh, started alone, but, yeah, you kind of, it's a super social thing also. And, I mean, you hike with all like-minded people that all have kind of the same goal. And I think that's also what I really like about hiking is that, it's not really superficial talking. I mean, you can talk to a hiker on a hiking trail for like five hours and not even know their name or their last name. And you it's just know everything about, the whole, everything about the whole life. And you don't even know the name. It's like, I think that's really cool about hiking. Um, so yeah, I knew the people because I kind of, yeah, we kind of met along the trail and we had been like a tramley. So they, kind of a trail family they call it family the group of people that hikes together for a while but you started on your own at first yes holy moly it's crazy to um to hike so let alone to find a friend who also wants to come with you for five months <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i think most people time, right for like two thousand yeah, exactly. miles like this person's gonna be like all right we're doing this yeah. Who even once you have company with me for 2,500 miles for five months. Like, right. Uh, <laughs> oh my I don't blame anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned to me before our interview uh, your tra tram, tra tramily name or your yeah. <laughs> trail name? Trail name, yeah. So you have a tramily, which is basically an abbreviation for trail family. So just kind of the group people hike with. And what also is pretty customary on the trail is that everybody gets a trail name. And it's basically just a nickname um, for, mostly it's linked to something that happened on the trail or something that makes you, I don't know, stand out or something. For example, a lot of people have the trail name something like Smiles or Sunshine if they're always very happy and outgoing. And I mean, you have some more common trail names. Also, Spam is pretty common, I think, just of people who like to eat Spam. Um, I love spam. Or I liked it in the beginning, but I think I kind of don't At like the end it anymore. You were like, no, <laughs> no. But don't I don't like spam where it's just like you take it out of a can, you got to cook it. Okay. I mean, I didn't do that, so that's maybe why I don't like it anymore. That's it why. That's like a, gross. We had like the single packages, and I just put it on like a tortilla, and that's what you ate. No, like, why no, would I you do like that? It. Disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you eat some ready some really weird stuff that you would never eat otherwise <laughs> try some new things out i mean i've had uh, we had like a guy with us that made the weirdest combinations he had like peanut butter with tuna and uh. I, don't know, had, like, 
I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. I don't even remember. I don't even want to think about it all. <laughs> next to him, I was still eating pretty normally. But yeah, next to a, an average person, it was the most trashy food you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> with like, I don't know, with like, uh, you put uh, mashed potatoes on a tortilla with peanut butter and like some crunch fritos on top. And I just like roll it up and eat it. What was your trail name? Uh, my trail name was Davy Jones. I think it was on our first 30 mile day in California somewhere and we had just done like a, quite a long day already and everyone was kind of crazy and kind of joking around okay let's do a 30 mile day tomorrow like, ah, yeah yeah let's do that obviously not meeting it everyone left in the morning and I was still like packing up my tent I was like, I'll catch you later and I didn't catch them really anymore so I was like what the fuck where did they go so I was just kind of hiking 18 miles further or something I caught up with Sam one of the guys that we were hiking with and he was having his lunch break so I just sat down with him because also my first break and I thought, okay, but are they are they still planning on doing actually the thirty or what? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna do the thirty. We're all gonna do the thirty. Like, ah, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> so we we walked on with the two of us, and then we caught up with the other part of the group, and they had ordered pizza, so that was super nice. So we came there, was some pizza left, so we ate like pizza. They had delivered it there. Um, I was like, okay, guys, the last five miles are left. I think we had done like twenty-five. Let's go. Um, it was getting pretty late getting a bit dark and we all were too lazy and we didn't want to stop to get our headlights out and stuff so we just okay put our gas on we're just gonna walk fast and then we're at the campsite quickly so I kind of took the lead and I was walking fast like I don't know I think at that point I was probably walking like six miles far or something oh and my gosh so like I we had like some smaller people in the group and they were basically wanting to catch up with me <laughs> so, <laughs> so they had already done like 25 miles they were wanting to catch up with me and so from the back, like that guy that, that I'd met before, was shouting like, oh, there we go, it's David Jones leading his squad into death and destruction. Just like, okay, that kind of stuck and everyone was agreeing that I should take that one. So I, I took that drill and That sounds like a really special moment. Were there any other really favorite moments that you had on the PCT? Maybe fulfilling moments? Yeah, I would say fulfilling is probably the same as also the most challenging one, which is the Sierra. Because actually going through the Sierra in that time of year as one of the first people of the year was pretty special and felt really like an accomplishment. It kind of feels like you're halfway if you're through there. Even though you're not even close to halfway, you still have, I don't know, you still three, four miles out away from the halfway point. But it's like, okay. So yeah, it was kind of a mental thing also to get past that point. And like, yes, finally out of the snow, we have like solid ground on the feet again. We can just like, probably hike instead of looking all the time and being um, careful of what is around us and so so I think that was a super fulfilling moment actually finishing this year I don't know like throughout the trails you have also like little milestones that you hit like the halfway point um, like going out of California because you've been walking in there for like three months and like ah, finally out of California it's one state down yes. <laughs> still two to go like yeah any tips or tricks about the PCT for anyone who, who wants to do it? Do you have any like tips and tricks for them? They're thinking about it, they want to go or they're about to go. One main thing I would say is don't over prepare, which is done quite easily. Um, you have so many tools on the internet. For example, you can make like a whole planning per day and I will hit this town at this day and I will have this mileage done by this day and I will have done this by this. And in the end, you will never be able to stick to it because things happen on the trail. Like, I don't know, you feel 
a bit worse one day and you want to hike not so far or you feel super good that day and you want to hike further or you meet people on the trail you want to hike with them for a bit so in the end i don't think it makes sense to plan everything into detail like have obviously prepared something to have like a, a big overview i don't think even you have to prepare too much you basically just have to prepare for the first four days until you hit the next town until you hit the first town and then you're gonna look again and i think that's also the way to approach it so another tip would be don't let yourself scare off too much by how daunting it looks. I mean, it's huge, 2,650 miles. I think everyone in this normal thinking would never think about finishing something like that. So you also don't have to approach it like, okay, I'm at the Mexican border now. I want to be at the Canadian border in 100 days, 150 days or whatever. Just approach it as in, I'm now at the Canadian border. I will be at the next town in three days or four days. And then you do that. And then you have the next section going on. And you can also look at bigger sections. Say, okay, for example, the first section until the desert section of the Kennedy Meadows. I'm now halfway through the section or something. But don't try to look too much to the bigger picture of how far you still have to go. Because definitely on moments also that you're suffering, it maybe even demotivates you and just saying, oh, I still have to go this far. I'm never going to finish. But yeah, just try to... Keep at it and also try to enjoy it to the fullest. Because again, how many people take the opportunity in their life to do something like this or get the opportunity in their life to do something like this? Um, so if you're out there, enjoy it to the fullest. Just enjoy every day because you're doing something that you like, I hope. You just yeah, got to love the thing that you do. And obviously everyone has bad moments and everyone has bad days. Overall, you should always enjoy the thing that that keeps you going, and that I mean, you did it for a reason, and keep that reason in mind um, to to keep yourself motivated. Also, what was your best day? One of my best friends visited me, so all the way from the Netherlands, and we had already spoken about it before. He had a fl uh, flight to San Francisco, and then we all already had said, "Okay, I'm not I'm not sure where I'm gonna be. We have to see." So we kind of have to. Yeah, be spontaneous and plan it on the spot and see whatever, wherever we're going to end up. And it would meet around halfway Oregon at Shelter Cove Resort. But yeah, he obviously was flying to San Francisco, which is still quite a long way out from Oregon. We had to figure also out a way how to get him to the trail because it is quite a, an inaccessible, yeah, inaccessible road to get there. So it's like, um, okay, how are we going to do this? And then again, trail magic popped up. I had just arrived around Ashland and I, I got like a ride from someone into Ashland to get groceries and resupply. And so it was a couple, they had just done like a weekend hike or something, it was on a Sunday and they would drive them back and I would go to uh, Eugene where they live. And uh, we kind of came on the topic of, okay, friend is visiting me next week and I'm looking forward to that, blah, blah, blah. And I also just kind of cheeky asked, okay, I don't know, do you know, maybe know a way how to get him to Shelter Cove Resort because we're still figuring it out. Like Eugene to Eugene will be fine and then we have to find a way from Eugene to Shelter Cove Resort. And they just said, well, we live in Eugene, we can bring him down there. Like, wow. Uh, sure. <laughs> and I was like, because it's, I don't know, it's like three or four hour drive, so it's pretty far, at least for my standards, my Dutch standards, because in three, four hours we have done our whole country, driven to all the country. Like, uh, damn, I guess, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, we figured that out and, like, it went super fast. And within a day, it was all fixed. And um, I met him, like, a week later at Chelsea Cove Resort. And we 
I think we hiked like 10 days together or something. So that was really cool. That's nice. You get to see your friends. Yeah. And just the kind of a change of, yeah, I don't know if environment is the right word, but kind of a new mindset also. But you can just like talk, talk to someone and talk with a friend that you already know for a bit. So, you know, he's just like been working the whole time and he's just, and then comes all of a sudden from his desk job to hike the PST for a bit. No, but that was really cool. So I think that was one of my best moments on the trail. What was your worst moment? Either the day that my knee injury popped up or the day that I had to get off trail. Probably the day that I had to get off trail because of it. So I think it kind of popped up like 300 miles from the end. It started and it was not too bad. So I was like, okay, I'll just hike on. And it kind of gets worse every day. I already had taken off a couple of days hoping that it will heal for a bit. The thing was I had already bought a flight ticket back. I built in quite some uh, margin for if something would happen. But then I didn't expect that something would happen that would take me like three weeks of trail or something. Because I think I would have had to take like a month or something of trail to get right all the way back how it was. And in the end, it was just okay. I'm not... I will not be able to do it and all the way fin- finish then. I had there like a couple of days and I tried it again. And then I think maybe 20 miles in or something, but just to, because it kind of collapsed twice, just my knee couldn't properly hold my weight. So it's like, yeah, I think this is probably the point I should just quit. <laughs> so I, I took like a side trail of the PCT. You already did like over 20, what, 25, like close to 2,500 already. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it was like two, four, nine, six or something that I got, to, that I took the side trail. The fact <laughs> so that you didn't get injured five. in any of those miles is surprising. Like I would have yeah. gotten injured probably within the first True. like five months. And that sense has been pretty lucky, I think. And also, yeah, if you look back and look around you, you see a lot of people that get injured. So in that sense, uh, like that get injured already earlier. So in that sense, I've also been lucky. And Very lucky. Again, like I said before, for me, it feels like I've completed the trail, basically. Those last 150 miles are probably the same as the 150 miles before. So I, I know how it is. <laughs> and I've done my thing. I just couldn't hit the monument at the very end to, to touch it. But yeah, it is what it is. Tell me your most meaningful person that you met on your trail. What I do like is often if you travel, you meet people and you kind of, you chat with them and you get the Facebook or whatever, you get the Instagram, you follow them, but then you don't really talk to them anymore. Once you're back home, it kind of just fades out. And I mean, maybe when, once you get home, you still talk, but then over the weeks and the weeks pass and months passing kind of fades out. But now I do still have quite some people that I still have contact with frequently. So I don't know. So I don't really find one person. I don't also, if that means that they're meaningful, but yeah, they definitely, I see them as, real friends and I just still talk to them. So there's one person that actually gave me also some feedback on my master thesis because she had also done a math thesis about a long distance hiking trail. I was doing my master thesis oh, wow. about a long distance hiking trail. So she provided me with some feedback and we FaceTime sometimes. And another person I follow on Instagram um, and I sometimes chat with and so so I think in that sense I, that's something that came out of this trail that I really like is that I met people that I still have contact with now more than a year since I finished the trail. Yeah, that's cool. What is a piece of advice that you can give to a younger you? I think maybe not even only to younger me, but still to the current me. Stand still and look at what you've done already. Instead of, I'm kind of always in 
uh, super fast flowing river basically and just going from thing to thing and never take rest or something like you said it in the beginning and I never really realized it but I've already done quite a lot of things in my 25 years that I'm on this earth yes, it's like yeah. okay kind of stay still and look back at what you've done and take some rest also and just I don't know um, you don't have to always be busy or working your dreams you can always sometimes just chill and lay back for a bit and do something else and then some something will pop up again later but so I did and I think I got better at it especially now the last couple of months also because of corona it's like yeah you're kind of obligated to kind of pause your life a bit and see how it goes and I quite like that so I think that's also what I should take with me for in the future just kind of yeah take a step back for sometimes so where are you going next do you have plans on doing anything next are you just chilling during corona time like obviously i always have kind of a list of countries i want to go to and your bucket list <laughs> yeah bucket list for real i think i mean for me new zealand australia are pretty high on the list bali indonesia thailand are pretty high on the list but also iceland where can we find you where can we see what you are doing, Tim? So I have an Instagram. It's the handle is at Tim Strooks. So just my name. I will spell it out because it's a Dutch name, so it'll be difficult. Um, so T-I-M is easy part. And then S-T-R-O-E-K-S. And I do also have my own blog website. But also that is kind of on a post now, and it's in Dutch. I'm working on an English website, actually. I'm translating some things. So I think I have like two blog posts in English so far. Um, but I did like a daily journal um, of my PCD hike. So I should work on like the get English version out there. So all of you guys can follow along as well and can read it. But yeah, you can find that on strukiblogs.com. So that's S-T-R-O-O-K-Y-B-L-O-G-S.com. And I will and put that underneath this uh post <laughs> so people can find you well thank you thank you so much for joining me i am so so grateful to hear all of your journeys my gosh it was pretty pretty incredible thank you for having me and i like to talk about pct so also if you have any questions or if you're planning doing the pct and you have questions about something you can always just send me a dm or something on instagram and i'm happy to help so yeah, ask me anything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.